0: Hey folks, welcome to episode 93 of the FLW Podcast in Benton, Kentucky. I'm Jody White in Hopkins, Minnesota. It's Kyle Wood. Hey, hey. So, Kyle, we've got – I'll go right ahead into the outline. Um, yeah, it's bring, gonna be, bring it to us. It's going to be kind of an abbreviated show this week. Uh, Kyle and I will talk fishing. Then we're going to talk with James Biggs, sort of wrap up his season. Uh, maybe talk a little fantasy football because he and I are playing in a league together. And then we'll read some emails, talk about them. Do a few sort of light previews. We've got a bunch of BFLs and some college fishing coming up, and then we'll be out of here. It was it was Labor Day weekend. We didn't have any tournaments going on to talk about. Uh, there wasn't any particularly big news, at least that we can remember right now, that we need to cover. So it mm-hmm. might be the rare short podcast from us.
1: So enjoy it.
0: Because <laughs> you're not going to get many. Embrace it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Kyle, how did your how did your weekend go? Did you did you catch giant catfish? Did you dial this thing in like you've been threatening to do all season long?
1: Uh, definitely uh, dialed it in pretty good. Uh, they're not giants. I don't think that this river has like giant caliber of cats. It's no Red River. If you're familiar okay. with the Red River between North Dakota and Minnesota, there's giant channel cats in that thing. Not anywhere near that
0: size. As a side note, and this is the first of the first totally off-topic section. Did you see that Brian Thrift went bow fishing for catfish last night? Yeah, I did. Have you ever bowfished for catfish?
1: Not for catfish. No, okay. I actually think that would probably be illegal in Minnesota to do.
0: All right. Well, but I'm not entirely on, sure on that. I don't know. I would say you should consider it.
1: Uh, I would if I cared about shooting catfish that much. I mean, I'm fine with hooking them. I don't really need to shoot them. All right. Well, they're fine to eat. At I don't even, Brian Thrift more Fishing on Instagram. Brian if Thrift, you do you, man.
0: Yeah. Uh, anyhow, continue. Sorry. We're fishing for non uh, giant yeah, catfish. no, it,
1: it – so it, it actually uh, – like, it, it stormed a decent a bit uh, over the Labor Day weekend um around home here so i didn't uh i went out for like four hours with a buddy uh sunday afternoon and that was it otherwise i kind of just like worked on cleaning my house the future wife is getting all worried about having the house clean because our wedding's coming up and doing this and that so that's pretty much how i killed my labor day weekend Real boring, and it was goose opener. I didn't even go goose hunting.
0: All yeah. right, that's kind of a boring. It's a sore subject.
1: <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm a boring person. I'm a very boring person. It's what happens when you get old. You'll realize that uh, as you age, uh, you become less exciting. Although I do do cool things, just not
0: not as frequently not as. Now. As, as you should, or something like that?
1: Yeah, definitely not as frequently as I should. And hopefully coming up here in the next, uh, well, I guess basically probably after I get married in October, I'll be back to doing cool stuff. Because I'm pretty much busy doing non-fishing or hunting related things every weekend until like the third weekend of October.
0: All right. Well, maybe we'll need to bring in some special guests to talk about fishing and hunting. You know, maybe we'll have, like, well, Jesse or Kurt. I'm to try well, sneaking out not, during the week now. Maybe, well, we're probably not going to have Jesse on, but...
1: Definitely, probably not Kurt, because he's going to be gone a whole bunch, too.
0: Well, I know, but maybe, like, when he gets back, we'll have him on to give updates in place of, you know, you doing cool stuff. We'll be like, we'll get Kurt to swing by. What do you think? What are you saying? You fu- you firing me? I'm not firing you. I'm saying maybe we need to you know, if we're gonna have a whole lot of weeks where Kyle doesn't do anything cool, like all you're doing is chores and getting married, which I mean that's obviously that's a semi big deal, but you know yeah, it's kinda of boring. You know, it's not it's not catfishing, it's not bow fishing for catfish like Brian Thrift is. You know, Heck maybe no. we need to raise our game and bring in some outside outside coolness.
1: I think I just need to start uh Steal in the boat and going to crush fish during work hours. I got some I got some products I need to review and fish with. and I think that's um, could be afternoon tasks for me.
0: Well, I would uh highly encourage that, especially based on the fact that you know these next let's say two months yeah maybe th- these next couple months. The web and magazine staff is probably on vacation more than we're not on vacation. (laughs) Uh, That's true. Considering that the season's finally over and we have time to not be covering tournaments.
1: Yeah, we're finally home and we can actually start doing things. Enjoying life outside of the office slash in a truck or on an airplane.
0: Yeah, which I mean, not that, you know, being in a truck... Not such a bad thing with those nice new rams. I mean, they've got all the features you want. They tow really well. Okay, I'll stop selling stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Are <laughs> paying you? Uh, well, you know, not directly, but I imagine it helps out, right? Nobody from Ram is like, hey, Jody, here's cash. <laughs> if they want to, uh, bring it on. Uh, anyhow, though, I guess, uh, I guess I should probably talk about fishing now, right?
1: Yeah, I feel like you're kind of our anchor for uh, just constantly catching hogs.
0: Well, so I didn't constantly catch hogs at all this weekend. As is usual with me on Kentucky Lake, I mostly didn't catch fish um, because I'm terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I went out in Kentucky on Saturday in the morning, and I think I caught like two fish. Did pretty bad. I fished deep, some shallow. Where'd you, some.
1: where'd you launch out of?
0: Uh, right out of moors. So by me okay. on the north end. Yep. Fished around. Didn't go well.
1: I thought I, you were going way down south.
0: I got a whole. I got. I got a three-day weekend here. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Um. <laughs> so that went pretty badly, and then I went to Bashir, the little frog lake, and oh, that really yeah. didn't go all that well either. I went there in the evening. Oh. I got off the water at like two or so because it was ninety-five, and I'm like, okay, well, this is dumb. And <laughs> I hold up in the in the house for like an hour. You know, got some got some hydration, and then headed off to parts unknown. And that didn't really go well either. Uh, okay. The frogs. I went to the like the back of the. There's like two creek arms, and I went to the back of both of them. Where I caught him on a frog last time, didn't get any bites on a frog. Got one bite on a jig. Ended up catching one when it was like pretty dark, on a top water, out in the like main lake, just sort of fishing along a point. So, not so hot. Then, no. I power pulled the boat down next to the bank, or on like a dock, and uh, got out. got in my truck came back apparently i didn't do a good job power pulling it down or it was like steep rock or something the boat had drifted like 20 feet (laughs) off into the lake and so it is pitch black like there aren't any lights here or anything this is in the middle of nowhere and i had to i dropped myself off the dock i'm still wearing my flip-flops like i had to go swim out to the boat there could have been so many snakes around me i was (laughs) <laughs> I considered oh, just leaving everywhere. the I considered just leaving the boat there. <laughs> uh So that was the end of my night on Saturday. But I got my exercise. I went swimming. And That's true. Another sort of semi plus, you know, I sort of washed a lot of the sweat and sunscreen off for the day.
1: Hey, you got another you got a shower.
0: Yeah, and here it's not like a real muddy lake, it's pretty clear. So, I figure, you know, moderately clean um so sunday i went down to paris tennessee uh put the boat in there fished around caught a ton of fish but they were all little i didn't really do any offshore stuff i just fished around the grass and i don't know where the big ones are around the grass maybe they're in certain areas maybe i didn't go far enough south maybe I needed to be fishing sort of some more deeper offshore type grass, what the deal was. Mm-hmm. But I caught a lot of fish, and it was pretty fun because I was catching them, like, on top water. I caught a couple flipping, and that's just cool. But nice. no big ones. And honestly, considering they got to be 15 inches to keep, I don't even know how many of them were technically keepers because I don't really measure <laughs> that often. I mean, they definitely would have been keepers if it was 12 inches. They were all, you know, 12 inch fish. I don't know how Good many setup. of them were 15 inch fish. So, mm-hmm. you know, not so hot. I did catch a smallmouth though, which is my only only my second Kentucky hey, no. Lake smallmouth, and it was like probably 17, 18 inches. So I think still not a keeper because I think you, they have to be like over something. I don't know in tennessee but anyhow yeah so that was pretty fun because he was jumping around and then i cool and then i continued my tour of places where i'm not good at catching fish and i went to the way south end of lake barkley on monday Um, (laughs) which i say way south it's actually because barkley is so much smaller than kentucky lake it's basically the same drive to get there as it is to get to paris and that is okay. a cool place. I'd never been down there before, but it's much more rivery, and it's got some nice little backwaters you can go and get into. And there aren't there isn't grass in the backwaters, unfortunately. But there's a lot of just it's just really cool. I mean, there's a lot of places to like get a boat hung up on, and a lot of a lot of mud. And I felt like Zach Burge basically the whole time, because <laughs> uh, I was fishing like way back. And I caught a bunch of fish, all still on top water, and I got a couple pretty good ones. So that was not so bad.
1: That was now a fun is day. that that was the uh, the video you emailed, uh, like yeah, Kurt that was, and myself.
0: Yeah, that was the south end of Berkeley.
1: Okay, cool.
0: Um, yeah, that looked like a cool area. It is, and I mean, there's a lot of little not there's little different backwaters off the off the lake and. Some of them, some of them have like bluffs in them, and some of them are just uh, sort of flat banks. And it's weird because the the lake or the river there essentially is channelized. It's like got riprap banks the entire direction of the the entire area that I was in, or most of it. So the backwaters are kind of cool in that once you get in there, it's like a whole different place. And the other thing that I wish I had is I wish I had like a much smaller boat or I wish the water was up maybe another two feet because the water was pretty low when I was there. And there were a lot of, I got hung up on mud a bunch of times, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but there's some, there's some other backwaters that are on the map and I can see the entrance to them, but I can see that there's no way I would ever get a boat back there. John Cox might get back there, but I wouldn't sure but if the water was up I might be able to get back into them and those are the ones I want to go to now so I want to go sometime there when the water's up and try to try exploring even further but yeah cool. it was cool I experienced Asian carp jumping in the boat for the first time ever when I was idling oh, out no of, way yeah I, when I was idling out of one the first one it was probably I don't know like a 10 pounder and it and I was just idling out and I guess it got them activated, and I heard it come up, and it went, and it jumped, and it, like, hit the top of the cowling, and then went back in the lake, and, I mean, it shocked me, obviously. I was like, oh, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. And then I had one other one jump, and it kind of just jumped near and missed the boat, and another one jumped, and it came, and it hit the square in the middle of the back deck, and then fell into the transom. And then flopped its way out and it left blood and scales on the back deck. And
1: Jeez.
0: well, and that was like probably a fifteen, twenty pounder, so I can't imagine getting hit by one or a bigger one. I mean, they were scary. So Barkley was fun because a lot went down. It was interesting. Uh and then I came home So you had you had an eventful weekend. Oh, yeah, I mean, it was a solid weekend. I didn't really catch yeah. any big fish, and if you added up, like, all the fish, all the, if you took my best five, it wouldn't have been 15 pounds, but I had fun. Um, That's cool. And, I mean, I'm, I got a I'm kind of like you. I
1: like seeing new sights and, and stuff on the water. Yeah, I mean. Instead of doing the same old, same old.
0: Like, so that time you and I went to, the south end of Barkley was a little bit like the time you and I went to that backwater at, uh on the Mississippi. Oh really? yeah. You're every almost every corner you turn is something a little bit new and a little bit different. And that was and that's fun. And I was catching fish the whole Sweet. time. Until the sun got up and I lost my shade and then that then it got bad. <laughs> <laughs> but when I had shade lines I could run it, I was catching fish.
1: You were dialed in
0: a little bit. Uh but yeah, so you know, it was a pretty solid labor day weekend. And then the Hokies got beat. But they did okay in the first half. So, you know, could have been worse, I guess.
1: Could have been. The Cyclones won, in case you were wondering.
0: Cool. Iowa State?
1: <clears throat> Iowa State, a rare win. I mean, granted, they played uh University of Northern Iowa, who actually beat us last year. But uh, we steamrolled them, so that was kind of cool. And the Gophers lost. All right, which I'm kind of okay with because obviously we have the former uh, college fishing national champion from the University of Minnesota, Chris Bergen, in the office, and then uh, PR dude Brian, also from the U of M. Uh, so I kind of I like it when um, the Gophers lose. I'm not a, I'm not a Gopher, nor am I a Big Ten fan. For anyone wondering. Uh, Don't care about it. Mostly because the Iowa Hawkeyes are in there, and I hate the Hawkeyes, so kind of ruined the rest of them for me.
0: All right. I mean, I can agree with you on all of those. I have no affinity <laughs> for the Gophers. I, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Ohio State's in the Big Ten, so obviously I hate them. I also hate the SEC yep. for the record. Uh, Ooh. And any other conferences that aren't. Virginia Tech, and the ACC, except for I hate FSU and Clemson and Miami and Virginia and Maryland, too. But I don't think they're in the ACC anymore. I think they went out. So so real. basically it's just like if you're not
1: Virginia Tech, you're not on board with them.
0: Pretty much, yeah. That's about how it shakes out. Okay. I can roll with that. Um, that's
1: that's team pride right there.
0: Yeah, kind of have like a mini soft spot for LSU just because I sort of like the purple and gold and the tiger and all that jazz. But I don't know anything about them, so don't hold me to that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I tell you what, I think we're totally off track now. Which, I mean, guys, you kind of knew what, you know what you're getting at this point. Um, let's go ahead. We'll take a quick break and we'll be back with uh, James Biggs. And now we're joined by James Biggs. He fished this year as the Live in the Dream Pro, qualified for the Forestwood Cup, had a really phenomenal season, uh, did great in the Forestwood Cup. James, how, how's it going?
2: It's doing pretty good. I'm here at the fire department I'm pulling a 48-hour shift. I'm on the back end of it. So if I fall asleep during this interview. I'm sorry.
0: Okay, so what I've never... You? I've never been a fireman. Can you explain this to me? you you're Are you awake for 48 hours straight, or are you, like, um, just there and on call for 48 hours?
2: Well, it's kind of both. Uh, eight to five, we do your typical training, building inspections, whatever a normal workday consists of. You know, work out that sort of thing. In the evening, we're more on call. You don't like last night. We had training. We went to another city and worked from their high-rise tower. And it came from like 5 p.m. to 11 p.m. So with full gear, pulling those lines, doing different exercises. So that was 11. Came back, got our stuff together. You know, it was midnight when you get in bed. Then you catch a call at two. You're, you know, you got two hours sleep and you're up. And then you run that call and it was nothing. You come back at three, lay down for an hour or two, get another call. So you don't really know when you're going to sleep or when you, you might end up getting eight hours of sleep and a lot of great, but you never can count it.
0: Okay. How did that work with fishing the tour season this year? Because you obviously, (laughs) I imagine that, do you have that much vacation time where you can just say, hey, I'm not going to be there or what, what, how Um, did that work out?
2: Well, actually uh, I had enough time to take off approximately four weeks uh, of vacation time and holiday and all that sort of stuff. Yep. From that point, I had to find guys that were pretty close to my rank who could do my job and I can do theirs. And I would say, hey, I'll work for you this day if you can work this day for me. So you would trade days. So basically what would end up happening was I would tour, and as soon as the tournament would be over, I'd rush home. I'd be working double shifts because I'd have to be working for other my shift and the next guy's shift to work for me while I was gone. And then I would work doubles, hope to see my family take off to the next tournament and do it all over again. So, And I'm still catching up on those double shifts right now because once I qualified for the Cup, you know, I needed a week to pre-practice and to go up there. And I had a week for the Cups. So, not even a couple more weeks worth the time I'm having to make up now.
0: So, uh next year, you're kind of on the – you're not on the fence about fishing the Tour. you definitely want to fish it and you're sort of waiting for some sponsorship stuff to fall in place is what you said. Uh, yes. Would you be using that same system of working like heck when you're not fishing and then running out to fish? Or do you think you'd set up your, be able to set your schedule, your job up differently?
2: No, uh, I would continue to do it this way. I mean, that's all my dream to be able to do both. Um, I have nine years left in the fire service. so I'm eligible to retire 20 year service. And at that point, you know, I might transition just into fishing, but my ultimate dream is to be able to do both. And as long as I get my job done here at work, stay on top of all my projects, um, and my wife allows it, you know, then everything will be good where I'll be able to do both. And I'll just work like heck. And I won't pre-practice with the exception of the cup and I'll just show up to these lakes and, Have three days to figure them
0: out and go fish. All right. Well, it certainly worked really well for you this year. Um, Uh I mean, you had, just sort of looking at your history, because you fished the tour in 2013, and you finished 43rd, which is, like, pretty darn solid for it being your first year on tour. And then this year, as the Live in the Dream Pro, you finished 32nd qualified for the Cup. I mean, just looking at it, I would say you've got a you sh- you should totally be able to continue to fish, you know. Even a, even as a, even doing part time for both, like you should be able to be successful based on your results that I've seen it so far. Anyhow,
2: yeah, I would like to think so as well. Um, it, it was really it's a learning curve, and I feel like you know if I can continue and continue keeping an open mind, that you know. If everything went well and you boat the fish it by you, can, I could continue to actually improve being that most of these lakes I've only been to one time, a little bit of history. And I mean, just simply knowing where to navigate and which areas are generally where the winning bags of fish come from, knowing those things would be such an asset if I had had the time to go practice. But the flip side to it is I end up fishing areas that have no other boats. Because I'm fishing in the wrong areas, but there's enough fish there to survive.
0: Okay, so for you uh, this year on tour, then what were some of the biggest things you learned? Because you fished, you know, six, well, seven, th- seven lakes that I don't know how often you've been to them, but they're probably your maybe your second or third time at most on any right. one of them, right?
2: Um, yeah, absolutely. I'd never been to any of Beaver. I'd been to three times. That was all. That was the most. Um, you know, the biggest thing I learned in all of it was fish your strength and be versatile. Um, at, at Toho, for instance, the first day, I had 18 pounds and my co I had 19 pounds, and we were flipping Uh By day two, I was crankbaiting. By day three, I was drop shotting uh, on, on Toho, which is not, you know, the, <laughs> the Toho-Florida pattern.
0: Yeah, that's not really what you're supposed but, to
2: do there. No, it's not, and it I worked. knew that, but... It was about surviving. You know, I'm, I finished 11th. I just missed making the cut. And so for me, it was basically in all these tour events, it, it's don't bomb. Because it, the whole ultimate goal is to make that cut and win the cup. And if you bomb a tournament, it's so hard to catch up. These guys are so good, they catch them everywhere they go. And you can't be putting hundreds on the board and expect to finish in that top thirty-five.
0: Yeah, for sure, and I mean, you you avoided that. Your lowest finish was ninety first, but you had, right. you know, you had three top twenties. Well, I guess yeah. one top twenty at the cup, but you had two top twenties otherwise, and you know, you were like around mid pack or better by far the majority of the time. You know, uh,
2: yeah, and that's what I looked for. I, I mean, honestly, and I, I kind of got. That dogged by a few of the guys in the local area because they're like, how do you how do you make it to the pro? And I said, honestly, you fish to survive. Being a new to the tour, you fish conservatively to cut checks, get that ten thousand dollars, go to the next one, and get the points. And then, in the opportunity that a lake sets up to your strength or well, that's when you swing for it. But you can't just go swinging for it at every tournament because you're going to finish in the hundreds. And and what they don't understand is tied to the field with 150 anglers. I mean, two pounds, three pounds, different overall stringer for two days, is literally a lot of times 10, 20, 30 places in the standings. And if you do that just a few times, I mean, that's a You still there? I'm
0: still here. Did I lose you? I lost you. I lost you for a second. You said if you did, yeah, do just that, cut out
1: for
2: a second.
0: Yeah, if you do that for a few times, then something.
2: Okay. Yeah. Basically, what I was saying was, just a couple of pounds in the standings is twenty minutes. A couple of pounds, two or three tournaments. Before you know it, you're a hundred points less overall for the season, which is huge when you're trying to get to the top. It's all about being conservative when you need to be. And a realist when you're not on the winning fish, and then it's about it's where it are.
0: All right. So I guess looking at looking ahead to next season, do you have a do you have any lake that you're eyeing as one that you think you could actually swing for the fences on, and shoot for a shoot for a win or a top ten versus surviving?
2: Um, well, you know what's interesting about that is. Being still new to the tour and the TVA system, I think anybody can get around the winning fish on TVA if you just get on that right ledge at the right time and you understand how to manage them. Uh, There's just so many good fish in those lakes. I mean, it's not like only, generally speaking, it's not like only one spot on the lake produces all the winning bags. There's normally a half a dozen really good spots that you could win on. So I think... Anybody has a shot on TVA, to be honest with you. Um, but I love the dock fish, and other than that, Beaver Lake, I, I like Beaver. I didn't, haven't done exceptionally well there on tour, but I've had opportunities to do really well. And so I think Beaver would give me a, a definite shot. And and the grand on the schedule has been to Beaver more than once for the most part. So it, it's everybody's comfort level to a degree i would think but at the same time some guys don't like fishing that way too so yeah probably the most dreaded for some guys as well
0: yeah it's definitely one that can throw even a even sort of an established veteran for a loop i mean jt kenny zeroed there two days in a row once and if he hadn't he probably would have won the aoi that year so it's kind of it can be it can be tricky uh but for you, what we, do, we know one
2: guy that figured that out in that area. He's got that place figured out pretty well. And I watched some of that footage. <laughs> that swim day. It was, it was unbelievable watching him. Like I just wanted to sit. I know he won't tell me all the details of it cause I fish against him, but I would love to learn what the heck he was doing.
0: He, I mean, so I watched him some on the final day after Kyle went in to do work and I, and I met for like the midday update and I went and, bumped into airy and i and he like he was just going to town on him i've never seen i've never seen anything like that like basically any time except the Rayovac this year on kentucky lake when like reddington and haynes were just crushing fish i mean it was it was incredible he was more dialed in than i've ever seen anyone else he's got that place figured out for sure or he Not did cool. for he has two years in a row whether he does next year we'll see
2: uh, well, you, you can't take him off your fantasy team. Let's put it that way.
0: <laughs> no, you, I would agree with that one. Um, hey, so no, that's a that's actually a good subject though. So for fantasy fishing, you were one of our pundits this year. I think you picked yourself every tournament, which I admire. I think that's the the right way to do it. <laughs> uh,
2: Absolutely. But, but, you know, I didn't pick myself one time, and I actually did really well. So. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so I decided, you know what, and like I, I joke with people, that if I can put a $4,500 entry fee on myself, I can definitely, you know, have the confidence to pick myself for fantasy fishing. For, for a measly 12 fantasy dollars, I, I don't mind putting myself on that roster.
0: <laughs> I like it. That's so, a good point. So what was, I don't know, what was that like? Uh, did you... Do you feel like you gained any extra advantage being a pundit and also being around all these anglers and sort of seeing where guys fish in practice and that sort of thing like if you had, if you had set your lineup instead of a week ahead but a day ahead do you think you would have do you think you would have had, a,
2: had the edge no, and the reason is they all have a poker face. Oh man, I can't get bit. I'm not catching them. <laughs> I, dude, I'm doing horrible. I hadn't had a bite in three days. Don't you know? That's what they say, and then they crush them. So you you have no. You would think you would have an advantage as an angler, but because the doc talk is not exactly true, you, you really would have a hard time gauging. You know <laughs> whether yeah. what you're hearing is accurate or not.
0: The thing that we're going to see next year is at Kentucky Lake, where it'll take, let's say, at least 22 pounds a day to win, probably. Maybe maybe less than that. But it's going to take well over 20 a day. They're going to crush them. We're going to hear in pre-practice, oh, the schools are broken up. They're not the way they should be. I can't really find them. They seem really pressured. We're going to hear that from everybody. And then everybody will crush yep. them. Like, that's just pre-tournament that that is the essence of pre tournament talk. I'm glad that I'm glad that you fell victim. You have fallen victim to it as well a little bit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> All right, good deal. I changed my lineup. Actually, I did. I changed my lineup last minute because some of the guys I was I was kind of working with are like, dude, we're not catching, we're not catching. Like, oh shoot, I better take him off my roster. I thought he'd do pretty good here, and I changed it, and he crushed him. He made the cut. I'm like, come on.
0: Oh wait, wait, wait. What, what change was this? When was it? I want to know.
2: <laughs> this was uh, Jeff Sprague on Toho. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Um, that was, you know, he's a Texas boy also, and we talk, and he's like, dude, I'm not on him, I'm not on him. And boom, he uh, makes a cut. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So, Texas, tell me about it. You Have you grown up there your whole life? Have you... Uh, did you move there? What's what's the system? Because I tell you what, it seems like an awesome place to live and love bass fishing.
2: Uh, it really is. I, I'm born and raised. I don't have a plan on leaving it. Um, I, I can't imagine living anywhere else. If I had to move somewhere else, it would probably be Kentucky or Tennessee. I would like that area pretty well too. But um, basically, the you have so Texas is such a big state with such a diverse layout that you can really fish any type of lakes. I mean, you can fish grass lakes out east. You can go to Amistad and fish rocky, crystal clear, bluffy lakes, south, you know, south and west has a lot of rocks. Uh, East is more grass. Uh, Middle, you know, Dallas, Fort Worth, a bunch of boat docks, a bunch of floating marinas, that sort of thing. And that's where I, I grew up and I'm most comfortable doing that. But, Pretty much, you can fish whatever, with the exception of chasing smallmouth and spotted bass. As far as largemouth fishing goes, you got every type of cover. Uh, And and honestly, every lake here produced 10-pound fish. Like, I don't think there's a lake in the state of Texas that the lake record's not over 10. So, that being said, you know, it's not that easy to catch a 10-pounder even. So, there has been some caught pretty much everywhere. Okay.
0: Do you have a favorite lake in Texas to fish? Just for um, going out and having fun.
2: Yeah, I mean, Lake Fork is known to be the best, um, but we have a little lake. Uh, it's a it's a three hundred acre lake, and it's out in Comanche, Texas, where my family's from the Southwest. And it, it's a public private lake. It's a gated community lake, and that thing is loaded with fish. <laughs> I, I guided <laughs> earlier this year, and this kid his biggest bass ever was a five and a half pounder. So I was like, let's go out there, you know, and I tie him on a square bill, and we're fishing riprap. And he catches a stick. So he got a new personal best. And, and I'm just lobbing a football jig out the other side of the boat. And he goes a little further down. He catches a seven and a quarter. And at this point, you know, he's really excited. And I'm still lobbing out there in deep water. I haven't really caught a fish, but I'm, you know, I'm trying not to catch what he's gonna catch. And he's like, "Go ahead and go ahead and fish. So I've got my personal best twice." So I'm like, "Okay, great." So I pick up a spinnerbait. I go to the next fence line. I slow roll a Santone spinnerbait right down this uh, little fence line. First bite, I had 1032. <laughs> so uh, that was a monster. We had over 35 pounds that day. You know, that little lake will absolutely spoil you. I think my first 10 times I've fished the lake, I had three over 10. So pretty impressive. Dude. Man. I got to get out of Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> uh open invite if y'all want to come fishing with me
0: well so i got to go down there sometime this fall to work with tom reddington i have to figure out when i think probably i need to obviously spend a few extra days and go to this other lake with you i I mean if i'm in texas i might as well you know i might as well do
2: the tour (laughs) sure Uh, and and, you know tom guide on Fork. you you're not gonna i mean as far as seven and eight pound fish there's not a better lake probably in the state to catch seven or eight pounders. They're a falcon and falcon are a long ways. I mean, that's the thing. People think, oh, it's in Texas. You're pretty close, right? It's like nine-hour drive in Texas <laughs> to falcon from my house. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's a big state and people don't realize. I mean, it's kind of like fishing a couple states really because it's so big. But if you go with Tom, you'll have a great shot at catching a giant. And uh, when you're done there and you want to go try something different, the beauty of the Little Lake I Fish is it's kind of stained water and rip wrappy and wood, so it's Spinner baits, square bills. I throw my Excite square bill out there, catch a ton of fish on it, and flipping. I mean, it's very shallow water fisherman friendly.
0: All right. Well, that sounds perfect to me.
1: Uh. Well, and, and speaking of like square bills and spinner baits and stuff like techniques, um, you and I have talked, uh, you know, over well, basically, really kind of since 2013, your first year on tour. Um, but you're kind of like you're not afraid to go cheese suspended fish, you know, like finesse tactic type of stuff. Which I feel like for a lot of Texas guys or a lot of, you know, the Texas pros, everyone's kind of good with a jig or a spinnerbait or something like that. But is that something you got dialed in to? Like, can you do a lot of that around the Dallas-Fort Worth area? Like that kind of, you know, more yes. finesse type stuff? Or do you yes, need
2: to? It, we do need to. And, and the thing is, people don't realize that Dallas-Fort Worth, I mean, just within – I live right in the middle of it. There's probably like seven lakes within 45 minutes to an hour. And out of those seven, there's a working man tournament or a dog fight or whatever you want to call it every night of the week on one of them. And those on the weekends, there's always a tournament on them as well. So you could fish a tournament seven days in the warm weather months, seven days a week. And that being said, there's so many people, there's a lot of traffic and a lot of boat pressure. So, these fish get super conditioned to baits and a lot of times you're just trying to get bit. And and, and a finesse bait doesn't mean you're gonna catch a little one. My biggest tournament bass of my life was like nine thirteen and I caught it on a spinning rod and light line. And you'll catch I probably this this is a fact that a lot of people wouldn't realize. I've probably caught as many five pound plus fish in tournaments on a spinning rod as I have all my bait cast rods combined. Dang pretty cool yeah yeah. So, yeah so and that's because the Dallas-Fort Worth area gets so pressured I mean you can catch on Lake Louisville my home lake and if you ever look up some tournament results there you see how tough it is um and, and the spinning rod really comes into play I mean and it's not uncommon to catch a 15 to 25 pound stringer on a spinning rod um, I went with a buddy a few years back and we in probably 30 minutes Right on a lake called Richland Chambers, we had five five-pounders in the box. And a cutter five-pounders. Like, this is not a problem when you're catching cookie-cutter five-pounders. But, you know, the spinning rod, like I said, it just gets you twice as many bites. It's a few, but at the end of the day, it's a, it's a good thing to be able to know just how to use one, even if you don't necessarily need to all, all the time.
0: All right. I want to hit another one of your techniques that I, or tactics that I feel like is a strength for you. It's kind of become my rule that if I want to find James Biggs on the water, I look for riprap or a bridge, because um, I feel like I find you around those a lot. Do you like? Do you do you just have an affinity for uh, for fishing that kind of stuff, or has it been pure coincidence?
2: <laughs> uh, it hasn't been pure coincidence because, like we said before, I don't get that much time on these bodies of water and when I do my research from home, a lot of time it's hard to get a good feel of the layouts of these bigger creeks. But the one thing I can Google Earth in no time is I can find docks, I can find arenas, I can find bridges. It takes, you know, it's super quick. And, and most of the time, bridges have deep water, they got shade, they have brush piles from crappie fishermen, and, and there's always some bass around them. And because of the depth, sometimes there's some giant bass around them. So, it's just one of those things I've really worked on over the years, how to catch them around bridges, and it's just a real simple way on a body of water you don't know, you go to your comfort zone. Is it going to be the winning pattern like I was talking about earlier? Well, no, probably not. But is it going to get you a good enough stringer to stay competitive? You know, I think you can do that.
0: All right. Let's say you've got a, Do you have a tip for someone who maybe they're, maybe they grew up on a lake that doesn't have a lot of bridges, or they just don't fish them a lot. What's your, what's your... Intro to bridge fishing tip.
2: Uh, a few things. If you, Anytime it's a seasonal time of year where the fish are migrating, so spring and fall particularly where they're coming from the main lake back to the creek or vice versa, look for the bridges that have a small entrance where the riprap kind of makes it bottleneck. Yep. So basically any fish coming in or out of that creek has to migrate through a smaller bottleneck. So it really condenses their traveling path so you know if you stay there they will be coming and going Uh, if you go to a creek that has a really super wide bridge then you know they can travel anywhere through there but if there's only two pylons wide and it's only 100 feet wide you know anything coming in and out going to migrate that little 100 foot section so that's one of the things i would tell you another thing is if you're going to fish them try to fish them when it's sunny because they get a lot tighter and they position a lot easier to catch. When it's cloudy, they kind of roam. Um, and that's that's one thing to help. Another thing is you don't want real murky water. Fishing bridges around real murky water, you'll only catch them on a real shallow pylon. But if you get some clearer water, they'll be suspended. Sometimes, you know, 10, 10 15 pylons out across the lake, they'll still be 15, but now over 70 feet of water.
0: Okay. Well, I like that because I definitely have seen you a lot uh, picking apart a bridge or you know any kind of little gap like that, and you almost always seem to catch something when I'm there. So you definitely have a have a have have a strength in that for sure. Um, you know, you talked about uh, catching big ones on a spinning rod. We've got an email that Kyle and I will talk about later, but it's from uh, Brandon. Wethington and he wants to know how to sort of consistently target or catch bigger fish are you are you gonna say pick up a spinning rod or is there something else you do and i guess for reference he lives down in ufala alabama so that's his home lake there
2: okay well the bridge fishing on ufala my rookie year on Eufala, I did nothing but fish bridges I made the top 50 um and then this go-around, I, I didn't hit about 50, but when I finally dived into the bridge bite later in the day, where, where I ended up catching a lot of my fish. Um, the thing about it is, I would tell you, yes, uh, a spinning rod will catch big fish. It's going to catch whatever the bait gets in front of first. So on a lake like Kentucky Lake, where there's 200 fish on a ledge, and you're trying not to catch two- and three-pounders, to try to catch that four- or five-pounder, you know, maybe a drop shot finesse worm, you're going to be weeding through a lot of fish. But it just depends on the type of lake. On a lake like follow if it's been hammered and pressured pretty hard, yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to up a spinner rod at all. And even on a bed fish, a drop shot works great on a bed fish with the spinner rod. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you'll take it. I mean, I'll, I'll go extreme. I'll take big swim bait and roll it over a bed fish to see if they'll hit. And then I'll try standard stuff. But I'm going to leave without you know, trying that spinner rod as well. It, it's such to in the toolbox, but I, definitely you can catch giant fish on a spinner rod, but it probably would be my first choice. And, you know, a swim bait or a big jig or a big chatter bait, big spinner bait would, or even a big crank, any of those baits would be it, probably where I'd go first to catch a big one. Right. But if the lake is super pressured, I'd go spin and tackle.
0: Kyle, you got anything else to talk about before we uh, diverge into some fantasy football talk? I don't man. Okay. I'm content. Well, James, we got a uh, tonight we've got a fantasy football draft. It's uh, mostly FLW league, mostly employees, and also you. So you've got uh I've got the fifth pick. I think I'm getting myself a good running back. Then you've got the eighth pick. What uh what are your plans for the eighth pick? I wanna know. I want I want some draft strategy insight
2: here. Well, draft strategy insight. A pick in a top league Okay, so you probably will get – you may not get an Leo Brown, but you'll get a top-tier wide receiver, maybe a Leo Jones, if you want to go wide receiver. But I think – I'd have a little trade workout with Joe Parker. He, he has mentioned if he can't get AP with the number two pick. I think he's two or three. Then he might consider getting the first two-round picks with me. And then in the third round, he'll just continue draft, snake, draft. So, if that's the case, I'll take a Lacey and come back around and get that Ingram, 4 second-tier running back. I'd like to go running back, running back. But if, if I get stuck at eight, I'm going to go wide receiver, wide receiver.
0: Okay. Well, you're not really helping me figure out what I want to uh... – what, what I am going to need to prepare for in round two,
2: but that's okay. I'll, uh, I'll take well, that. It, it all depends, but you just got to take the best talent on the board.
0: Is there a FLW tour pro fantasy league that we should know about, or are you playing in this one? Probably a league at the firehouse. And that's uh, <laughs> that's it.
2: I'm probably in somewhere around 15 leagues. Holy smokes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, last year I think I was in around fifteen. I think I won nine of them. Um, I don't know. I get in a lot of leagues, and I try not to draft the same players in every league. I made that mistake a couple of years ago. I took Doug Martin first round in every league, and he was a bust, and all my teams don't get up from there. Um, so I try to purposely angle draft strategy so I don't get all stinkers or all really good teams. You kind of get a few a different variety there. Um, but no, I, I'm only in a few pay leagues and the rest are just fun leagues. Like we do one at the firehouse here and I, I'm the league commissioner and we actually do two quarterbacks in that one just for fun. And, and uh, that kind of changes the dynamic too. And basically it's so uh, on a, on a Sunday when we're not busy and we're sitting around watching football and trash talking, uh, you know, you can, Just mostly talk trash because the guy you're playing has one of the players and you have the other one you're sitting right there the whole time with each other. But I also go anti-Cowboys. I know I'm from here. That's probably going to be a sour note in this area, but I'm not a Cowboys fan, so I try to pick pretty much anybody other than Cowboys. So that will help you on draft strategy. If Dez is sitting there, I'm probably going to pass.
0: All right. Well, I love that because, I mean, obviously I'm – well I say obviously I'm you know pretty solidly anti Cowboys as well so I can I can sympathize with that one Do you have a football team you follow then or just anybody who's not the Cowboys
2: uh, I I cheer for anybody who is not the Cowboys but I also cheer for whoever has a really dirty defense that year So I'm gonna guess Miami this year It'll probably be a good one Anywhere that Sue is playing is probably a team I'm cheering for cuz they're going to be pretty rough on defense uh, yeah, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so can I assume then that you were disappointed when Seattle lost last
2: uh I was very disappointed. Year?
0: Good. I reveled yes, on that. I
2: picked them to win. <laughs> I picked them to win last year. So uh, when they didn't win, why don't you just give the ball to Lynch? Why, why, why? That's a whole other story. Uh,
0: well, obviously, you know, Bill Belichick had psyched them out. I think that's, that's what it comes down to.
2: okay we're we're not gonna go there
0: (laughs) all right well uh james it's been a pleasure having you on uh i look uh, i look forward to our draft tonight i wrote down look out for james biggs on my uh note here because if you got if you have a better than 50 percent winning percentage in your leagues uh i'm worried already i think you might just you might really blow all of us out of here we might be out of your league um or you might be out of our league. Uh, before we go, where can people find you on the internet, uh, follow you, uh, all that jazz? Uh,
2: a couple things. Uh, James Biggs Fishing on Facebook. Um, you can message me there. I'm actually starting in the area. If you're in Texas, uh, I'm doing a teaching guide service. So basically what that means is if you learn a no video game fish on your graph, that I'll pick a lake and we'll go do it. Basically, I'll pick a lake that best suits, what you want to learn so it's not a one lake deal we're not just going to hit the same spots it's more of a teaching tool like say hey i i've never been to this lake or pick a lake i've been to i'll show you how a pro would break down the lake in a day so it's a lot we can do map study it's all different things It's basically just to make you a better angler and i'm kind of gearing it towards the high schoolers and also you know the, the tournament anglers who maybe don't fish on a high level yet that are aspiring to do that but James, been fishing on Facebook, and also you can find me on Texas Fishing Forum under my name. Search me, and I'll be glad to take fishing.
0: All right, well, James, thanks for coming on, and man, I uh, hope you're fishing the tour next year. Sounds like it'll work out, and best of luck uh, when you do.
2: All right, thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
0: So Kyle, we're back. I am real worried about James Biggs in this fantasy league. I think he's gonna kick our butts.
1: He's totally gonna well, not, I kick say, your butt. Yeah, you're not yeah, in it. I'm this. not in you're it. You're
0: wisely avoiding.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't fantasy football. I like football. I don't do fantasy football. Uh I got I got a waterfowl to chase down and and hunt and do that kind of stuff to pay attention to fantasy football. But yeah, James Biggs definitely gonna crush all of you guys. And yeah,
0: gals. I, I am pretty legitimately worried about that to be honest because i mean he just sent me a text with like instructions on you know who he told people to draft you know who is i it's he's playing this at a much (laughs) higher level than i am let me put it that way (laughs) uh so we'll see i'm gonna just cross my fingers i should have asked him for draft preparation advice because i haven't done any draft prep yet i should do that Mm.
1: You should probably text him.
0: Yeah. Uh, I might I might get on that. Anyhow, did you have anything that stuck out to you about that interview? Um, No. I like
1: James. He's a cool dude.
0: I like him a lot, too. He's down to earth. He's a good fisherman. Nice guy. One thing that was really interesting to me was that he thinks he's caught more big fish or as many big fish on a spinning rod as he has on a baitcaster. caster. Yeah. And, like, if you were going to be from, like, Erie and say that, I'll be like, yeah, sure, of course. Uh, (laughs) To say that from Texas, I'm, well, I'm kind of shocked. That was cool to learn. Yeah. Yeah. He, I was kind of intrigued
1: when I first, because so I started talking to him, uh, I was following around in 2013 on Grand Lake when he made a top 20 there. Okay. And I was talking to him. He was fishing marinas with. Uh, uh, he's doing. All, he threw the rig a little bit. He threw some other stuff, but he caught a few on a on a spinning rod. And he was talking talking to me about spinning rods. And I'm like, dude, you're from Texas. Like, I didn't even know you owned spinning rods. <laughs> or if you're from Texas, like I, I didn't know that was allowed.
0: I mean, Clark and, Wendland uh, probably doesn't own any, right? I, I don't think I've ever seen one in his hand. I honestly don't think I have, come to think of it. <laughs> um, you followed him a bunch at, at uh, the Potomac. Did he ever pick one up? Uh, no. He didn't use one at Smith Lake.
1: He, uh, I mean, see? Texas guy.
0: Yeah. Okay. So Larry Nixon, well Larry Nixon's from Arkansas, but he did spend a lot of time in Texas, but he's he a spinning rod a fair amount. So maybe that true. argument has kind of fallen away.
1: Well, either way, yeah, it's uh it's cool. He definitely like um I mean for you know, being a firefighter and not, you know, getting a lot of time off like the rest of the guys on tour that, you know, just pretty much fish for a living and, and kinda, of, you know, be on the water a ton and, and do all this and that. I mean, he holds his own pretty well for three days of practice and pretty much going in blind, other than, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, map work at home before he gets to the tournament kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, no, I would I would definitely agree. It's been – he had a really good season. He had a good season his first year, had a really good season this year. I think he's trending and, up, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, and the only reason he had – the only reason
1: he finished uh, 40-something his first year uh, is because he had a – like 108th place showing on Okeechobee is that Florida curse. And if he could have got out of there with like an 80th place, he probably would have been to the cup um, in 2013 as well.
0: Yeah. The problem with Okeechobee and, well, excuse me, the problem with Okeechobee and the Florida curse is that it can take more than a year to get over. You know, that's the kind of place that even some of the best guys, it's taken them three, four trips to get there and figure that place out. True. So,
1: we'll see. But he kind of, he figured out Toho. I mean, things were a little different because there was current and, you know, there's like rip-rap and stuff in those canals that kind of like stuff you could do back home. But Okeechobee, it'll be interesting to see how he adapts to that. Because, I mean, it took like Cody Meyer uh, uh, like six years to finally do well on Okeechobee. Yeah. And Brent Ayler took him forever to figure out Okeechobee, and they like you said. There are a lot of guys that really, really solid anglers that just cannot
0: grasp that deal place. with Florida
1: fish. Yeah,
0: yeah. Which I mean, Florida fish are just a whole different phenomenon from the rest of the country. It's really amazing how how some guys get them, you know, and some guys just mm-hmm. cannot get that dialed in. Can't get their head. I don't know if it's that they can't get their heads around it, if they have just a lot of bad luck or what, but it's. It can be really hard to figure that out, Where whereas guys can, you know, go to most regular reservoirs and, you know, even if they have a bad tournament one year, it's not it's not like, well, he did bad at Hartwell, so he's going to do bad there next time. He's No, he's good. Just the odds are fine he's going to figure that out. Yeah, yeah. At Okeechobee, you can kind of be like, well, he did bad there that year. He might do bad there next year, maybe the next year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's kind of, it'll be a loop for sure. All right, I want to do some emails here. We got two real good ones this week. We do. And so they will take a little time, I think. Uh, before we get into them, I want to say, I think this off season, as things wind down a little bit, it probably makes sense to do some more emails and kind of bring the direction of the show in the direction that people want to go with it. So if you've got... Oh, yeah. If you've got maybe topics you want us to cover, I know we've sort of gotten a little more maybe a little more fishing tip heavy than we have in the past. If you've got, maybe that's a, if you think that's a good idea, maybe that's a segment we start, whether it's Kyle and I bring a fishing tip to the table or whether we try and bring sort of a pro fishing tip to the table. Yep. I think, you know, so I would say email us podcast at dot com If you have some ideas for directions for the show.
1: Yeah. Or just stuff you want to hear about.
0: Yeah. Uh, for sure, which we're going to get to now. And, you know, we're going to get Ramy Colson on here one of these weeks and fi- we'll be answering an email from way, way back in the spring of, Hey, have someone from Kentucky on, uh, but we're going to finally make that happen too. I recognize that getting, getting around to an email is, uh, from like the spring is probably not the best way to do it, but we'll be better. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this one comes from uh, Mark Blackstad from Forest Lake, Minnesota. Woo. Is Forest Lake is kind of northeast of... Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I think I fished... Yeah, a, northeast metro. Yeah, I think I fished a lake up there uh, in the spring. It had a bunch of big muskie.
1: Was it Forest Lake?
0: It very well might have been. <laughs> I think there is also like maybe called like Green Lake or something near it, and I might have fish that too.
1: Yeah, there's a there's a green up there.
0: Anyhow, that's it. We one. have
1: we have like eleven thousand lakes.
0: Yeah, and you've it's, got like it's hard two to remember million, which And wrong. a lot of your lakes have the same names. There's like three or four oh, round yeah. lakes, and like you've got oh, a lot of for
1: sure more than that. A lot of round lakes, yeah. a lot of the long lakes.
0: Yeah, I mean, Uh, look, when you got that many lakes, it's hard to name them, but you guys you got
1: to start recycling, you
0: know? I guess so. Or you could have, like, named them after people or something, and you didn't do that very, very much. A lot of them are just named after the things there. You guys didn't really branch out. A lot of them, (laughs) yeah,
1: are very uh, general observations of (laughs) sediment.
0: Yeah. Um, (laughs) Big lake. How many do you have that are named water lake? That's what I want to know.
1: You know, I don't know. That's a great question. I'm going to go off out on a limb and say that there's hardly none.
0: Okay. Anyhow, we're going to get back to Mark's question. Uh, (laughs) Hi, Jody and Kyle. I just finished listening to the latest podcast on my way into work today. Good work, guys. I was intrigued by your discussion of Dave Lefebvre's decision to save one of his personal hotspots. After listening to your discussion, I have a few ideas on why he may have done it. I have heard or read in another interview with him that one of his goals was to qualify for the BASS Elite Series and fish both tours next year. He is currently leading the Northern Division AOI points there in the Northern Opens, uh, with only the Lake Erie tourney, tourney to go on September 24th through 26th. I wouldn't think you would have a problem or need that spot to finish in the top five of the AOI especially with his knowledge and experience on Erie. But what did come to my mind is that the winners of all the BASS Open events receive an automatic Bassmaster Classic (laughs) berth! They also get a boat package that he would most likely sell, but I think what he is holding out for is the potential Classic berth and a guarantee of qualifying for the Elite Series in 2016. I would say that's a very good guess. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Oh yeah. I also think though that there might just be it might just be more of a long term thing where if he's got a spot that he thinks is super good that he thinks will last multiple years, and because this might be a place he's fished in years past, you know,
1: definitely could be.
0: I think if he's got that spot, maybe he's maybe he really believes that it's worth saving it for tournaments there the next five years, and maybe he catches a big bag wants a tournament off of it, never spills it to anyone besides his co-anglers, and, you know, that helps him out more long-term as well. I don't know about that. That's a new idea I just had. Um, Let's see. This is an extremely long question, by the way, so buckle up. We just sort of finished paragraph one.
1: Yep, but that's all right. We can break it up into, you know, per section and talk about it talk about stuff, because there's a lot of good points.
0: Yeah. Uh, Next section. You guys brought up a good point about the Bass Elites being there, fishing a tour event over the same weekend out of St. Clair. Possibly he noticed some of those guys who missed the cut poking around and following him and other locals on the weekend in preparation for that open event in September. According to the rules, they most likely couldn't fish because their event was still going on. Or could they, question mark. But they could... Definitely be on the water graphing and observing. That Bassmaster Classic berth is a huge draw for the anglers from both Bass and FLW for those opens. I believe Shin Fukai won one last year on Champlain, and Jacob Wheeler got one for winning Bass Fest last year. He did. I think both Bass and FLW could be more careful with their scheduling in the future, as I'm sure it affected both events. They're also saying that many bass elites change their turning plans due to the FLW event being there as well. I haven't heard any of any guys changing their tournament plans. Have you?
1: Uh, no.
0: That said, I don't doubt that some people might have said, "You know what? If it's if Yuri's already a long run, if I might get there and have someone on my spot, I'll stay in St. Clair." Like, I could see that being. I could see that being a plan, or I could see that affecting some guys. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I don't know if, they're allowed to, if guys are allowed to fish when they go back on the water. I would think they would be allowed, but it would sort of be generally discouraged or at least encouraged to go fish in a place where you're not going to impact the tournament.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: Because uh, that's what we do with the hospitality fishing on days three and four of tour events. You know, if guys are taking out sponsors or things like that, or uh, sort of local groups or whatnot, they generally just fish where the top 10, top 20 guys aren't fishing. Like that's pretty much their stated goal. Inside the
1: off-limits, all that.
0: Inside the off-limits, places that just they haven't seen anyone fish all week, and they typically don't Mm -hmm. try that hard. But, yeah, so I would think they'd be allowed to fish. I would think that probably most guys wouldn't fish, considering there's a tournament going on, especially probably wouldn't fish near somebody. They might fish and have someone pull up on them, and that would be a different deal. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, but I don't even think those guys, like if they, so if guys were going out and, you know, following people around, I don't think fishing would be high on their priority list. I think it would be more of, you know, kind of like Mark, yeah, was getting at here, like graphing, watching, uh, figuring out, you know, the general pattern that they see guys running. Yeah. yeah. If if guys were to do any of that sort of information gathering, which again I don't think happens a whole lot, but you know
0: although it is rare that there are tournaments uh right on the same <clears throat> there are two yes. it, it's rare that there are two tournaments in close proximity to the to each other and that there is another tournament coming up on essentially the same body of water a couple of weeks from then. Definitely. And yeah, it is odd that so many tournaments got scheduled for Lake Erie and for St. Clair at that same period of time. I mean obviously historically there is a sort of big northern swing in fishing this time of year. Whether it's the Elite Series, whether it's the tour, whether it's the Ray of the Northern of sort of being stacked this time of year. I don't uh I, I don't know whether I guess I don't know whether it was something that both parties planned or both parties just planned separately and then it was a coincidence or what the situation was as far as there Mm -hmm. being tournaments on at the same time. So I would say you're probably on to (laughs) something. Yes. All right. Next suggestion is one that I like a lot. Um, Mark says... Also, my suggestion for a part of one of the next podcasts is to do a mini breakdown of the FLW podcast, A Plaid Wrap Would Rock, Fantasy Fishing League. Now, Kyle, I don't think you're... He'll bring this up later. I don't think you entered the, this league, but Joe and I no, started I it the first year we were doing the podcast. Um, if you notice the point totals, we had a really dominant league with a lot of very knowledgeable and great fantasy players. It may be fun if you get the league winner on the podcast, Stanley Sochiger, which I meant to check a hundred percent on that. Yep. <laughs> whose name whose uh name is Bastan, which I kinda like. Uh, cool. Where was I? With twelve thousand five hundred and fifteen points. Which is second overall, accordingly. So, Dang. Stanley, if you are a regular podcast listener, email in to podcast at flwfishing.com. I want you on the show. Definitely. At least to At least so we can get some advice. Because Kyle and I, we had pretty good years, but we could still use it. Uh, if you're not a regular podcast listener, then we won't hear from you.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> then well we'll have to try some different routes.
0: Well, maybe we'll just, you know, rustle up and find somebody else who finished high who's uh who's a podcast listener. Mhm. So, I think that's a I think I do th- anyhow. I think this is a really good a really good uh idea to bring our podcast league in and you know sort of wrap that up and look ahead to next year. Oh yeah. Also, and I'm going to kind of wrap this up now, but Mark would like to trash talk a little bit. He finished 16th with 11,635 points. Uh, Beat me who was in 27th. So he's got that going for him. Mark's team is the doodle masters, which is a pretty sweet name. Not bad. Uh, And yeah, Mark had a really, uh, had a really solid season. So Mark, thanks a bunch for listening. Um, And we definitely, we will keep them going regularly or fairly regularly in the off season.
1: Yes, we'll
0: try. All right. Next email, last email for this show. From Brandon, over the past few months, I've been listening to you guys interview some of the best anglers on the planet. I picked up a ton of tips from shallow fishing to offshore. My bites have increased, but the size of the fish I'm catching is often around that one to two pound mark. My personal best is an eight-pounder caught over a year ago on a Zoom brush hog. Any tips on how to catch bigger fish consistently? Thanks. Brandon. Sent from his iPhone.
1: <laughs> good good note.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, if you guys have any very interesting devices you send them from, let us know. I would say... So, Kyle... I would say first off, we obviously we talked a little bit with James Biggs, and I want to maybe yep. continue to bring this subject up because it's definitely an interesting one. First of all, catching an eight pounder—not so bad. Bigger than any bass I've ever caught. Uh,
1: yeah, definitely crushes my biggest bass. So, you you rock on that front, Brandon.
0: Yeah, and Brandon he lives down at Eufaula, so that's his home lake. Kyle, do you have any? Uh, do you have any big bass tips in general? for ufala uh what do you got
1: well i mean not not necessarily for Eufala, but you know it's kind of the old adage that um i know i do a lot and i know a lot of guys on tour do too but i mean brandon if you want to straight up catch a big fish give them a big bait feed them something big the only problem is your you're gonna catch uh, fewer bites yeah your bites are gonna go down it's gonna be more rewarding when you do get bit. And you're gonna to have to capitalize. But that I mean that uh like I, I started doing it a lot with smallmouth. Um I mean you can go throw a drop shot around or a tube and a lot of around here and you know, I mean you can catch big smallmouth as well, but um especially when they they get roaming and chasing bait fish. Like uh after hanging out with Alex Davis and talking to him, I bummed one of his channel baits and I threw that thing around for smallmouth this year, and you don't get a lot of smallmouth to come up and hit that thing because it's pretty big, pretty big weight. But when they do, they're one to one. You know what I mean? So, uh, I mean, shoot, that's like the most basic thing um, you could do. You know, you could keep uh, fishing the same areas that you fish, because obviously you encounter one eight pounder. There's got to be some other big ones around. um, You know, the 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 style you're fishing. But uh, you know, just beef yourself. If you're throwing up three-inch plastic, a six-inch plastic. Throw big crankbait, Throw a bigger crankbait. Big swim bait. Bigger swim bait. Don't don't let the size of the bait scare you because you'd be amazed at what a seven, eight, nine-pound fish can eat.
0: Yeah, I think I would agree. I would say that for. I would would say that throwing a big bait is a really good way to catch bigger fish. And I know James Biggs, you know, he was kind of... He says you'll catch a lot more fish fish with a spinning rod, and I think he's probably right. Definitely. But but I think that, you know, if you look at the baits that true trophy hunters use, guys who are really trying to catch big fish, first of all, it's predominantly a swim bait, and it's predominantly Mm a big swim bait. Yep. But besides that, I mean... Chigs catch a lot of big fish. They do. Uh, I think big worms catch a lot of big fish. Like a twelve-inch worm, um, especially if you're fishing in those brush piles down there on Eufaula. I think that could be a good situation. And I think on Eufaula, I would say find some brush, or maybe plant your own brush. Ooh. Because if you, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of brush down there, and that's where. a I mean, we saw in that tour event, that's where a lot of the guys caught their fish and caught big fish out of, you know, from uh-huh. from Morrow to, to Thrift to Clint Davis. You know, almost all these guys who caught a big fish caught it out of brush or something like that. You know, Thrift, it might not have been a brush. It might have been more of an obstacle situation. But I think in the summertime, throwing something big around brush would be a good way to go.
1: Yeah, and just to kind of drive the point home of big baits, and I know a lot of people um, can't relate to it, but, uh, you know, muskie fishing around the Midwest here, Minnesota, Wisconsin, pretty big thing. And if you've ever seen a bait guys throw for muskies, they are just, you know, obnoxiously large. I mean, I'm talking like 13-inch crankbaits, uh, you know, big inline spinners that are, you know, as long as your arm, almost. And I have musky buddies that that guide around that consistently catch like four to six pound largemouth and smallmouth on those stupid big giant baits. So to put it in perspective, it's basically bigger than anything you would probably ever buy yourself to throw for a largemouth. But totally. you know, even those, yeah, even those four pound fish are going to chase down something that's nine inches long. So.
0: Yeah, no, I call like a five pounder or one of those big, uh, one of those big uh, cowgirls. You know those. Oh big, yeah, uh, yeah. The uh, the big spinner spinners that they have, and I mean it's an inline spinner. It looks a little different than a spinner bait, obviously, but you know it came up and smoked it uh, like mm-hmm. it was nobody's business. So yep, I think that's a that's a good point that you even up north you can't go you can it you're hard pressed to go too big. But you're going to catch, you are going to catch fewer fish. So that's a trade off you got Uh to figure out. And it's probably a steeper learning curve, too, if you're fishing in a new area and you're trying to catch just big fish. Yep. Because you're not, it's going to be harder to know if that's a good spot. You know, you can go throw a drop shot a lot of places and catch a few fish and be like, all right, I could come back here. But if you're doing that, if you go to a spot and, you know, you throw a a big swim bait and you don't get a follow, or something it doesn't necessarily you know there might have been the fish the fish might still live there you know you're not your odds of making Absolutely. something happen are lower
1: well and it, you know it might be one of those things too especially like if you're trying to get into looking for big bites um you know start fishing with something you're confident in so like if you're like let's say you're going down the bank and you're throwing uh you know like a you're throwing a spinnerbait or something, or a swim jig, you know, something you, you have a lot of confidence in, you've caught fish there before, you kind of check in to see if they're home, you get a few bites, you know, do that. And if they're, you know, that pound and a half, three pounds, whatever, nothing fancy, um, at least you've now established that you're you're confident that there's fish there. And, you know, if you haven't had a lot of luck with, a, you know, like a big swim bait, um, then pick that bad boy up start throwing it. You know, any little thing to give you that extra boost of confidence uh, Is going to go a long way, because if you're just a thing around and you're like, man, I haven't got bit on this for like a week, you know, you're going to start. You're probably not going to fish as well. You're not going to be, you know, as focused on what you're doing. So it hurts to, you know, stick with what you know, get a few confidence bites in an area, or you know, maybe establish a pattern or something like that. Then just start throwing that big bait and hold on tight.
0: All right, I can dig it. Yeah. Kyle, got anything? Oh. I was gonna play us out, but no, we've got some, we got some very, no, brief, we got some very brief previews to do. <laughs> do do. Uh, so coming up this weekend, we have a ton of BFL action. The super tournaments are well underway, and as soon as I get my FLW calendar to the right page here to to September, I'll read them off. Uh, we got a Bama Division event on Lake Mitchell, Cowboy Division event on Toledo Bend. Great Lakes Division event on the Mississippi River, Hoosier Division event on the Ohio River, Mountain Division event on the Barren on Barren River Reservoir, which is a lake on Barren River, uh, and the North Carolina Division event on Lake Norman. Which, based on the fish I saw, I saw on Shane Hughes' Instagram page, I think Shane Hugh's probably going to win that. But you could have <laughs> guessed that beforehand. <laughs> yep. So that's the that's the BFL slate. It's going to be a busy one. We're kind of beginning. We're wrapping the season up now with the super tournaments, and then the regionals here in the next month, and should be uh, should be a good time. Definitely, college fishing, Northern Conference. Uh, championship. yes, Northern Championship on on the Chesapeake Bay this weekend, uh, the twelfth, the thirteenth. I've got a, I've got the press release here. I mean, there's, we'll probably see quite a few different things get done as far as fishing goes. Just because there's nice grass there, there's nice docks there, there's kind of a variety of things guys can do. Um, And, of course, there's a tide, which will kind of play a factor. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite team from the field list? Do you? have any thoughts about the tournament itself? What are your, what are you thinking? Um,
1: no, I haven't. Uh, I'm actually flipping through that, that field list right now. Um, but I think, I think it's kind of a cool, interesting venue for a conference championship. Um, because, you know, you'll have a lot of schools that probably don't have necessarily title. Um, Backgrounds, you know, a lot of guys have probably never seen a tidal fishery before.
0: You know, you would say that, but I think that's actually not super true. Uh, based on where these guys, where the if you look, there's a lot of schools from Virginia and Pennsylvania, and oh sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this in the, there's a lot of.
1: Okay, let it, me rephrase it. It's an interesting dynamic to have. That in I the agree. Conference with. that I agree with. Yes,
0: and we did the same thing last year too, where we went. The conference championship was on the Potomac. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I think the ability to play a tide, to have a great day one day, maybe not such a good day the next day makes it for, makes for kind of a fun tournament.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, But yeah, I mean, I don't have a, I'm too far, I'm honestly too far removed from the college fishing now. Cause I'm real old to be like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you are (laughs) to say, Oh yeah. These guys are studs. You know, I did last year. I was able to say that. And I think I actually picked a winner for one, a tournament. I was like, these guys are going to win. And they won this year. I mean, I don't know. I've got, Yeah, I'm
1: with you. I I can't, I can't comment on who to watch out for or anything like that.
0: I got nothing. I will be rooting for uh, Virginia tech the team of Jacob Thompson and Sean Snow. I don't know who Jacob Thompson is, but I fished with Sean Snow a fair amount. And, you know, he was all right. Pretty good. So, I'm Don't let forward. Jody down. I'm looking forward to that. You guys better do good because nobody else did at Virginia Tech this year. And, I'm <laughs> you know, kind of uh, a little bit let down <laughs> by that. So let's go, boys. <laughs> Pick it up. Uh, Kyle, we about done here? I think we are. All right. You can follow FLW at uh, flwfishing.com, dot com, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat is FLW official. Periscope. I think that's the I think that's the rundown. We talked uh, about. I think it is. Yeah, we talked about it earlier. Kyle, people can email us, right?
1: People can. People can, uh, you know, email your. Questions, comments, concerns, ideas for stuff you'd like us to talk about. Maybe a direction you'd like to see the podcast go. Uh, at podcast at flwfishing.com is that email. And um, I did have a side note. We go back to the Snapchat thing. I think there are some, there should be some snaps coming your way. Of uh, We did a little circuit breaker filming. Should have a new circuit breaker. I kind of almost forgot about that until right now. As I stared around my office, I saw all these lights and the camera still sitting here from filming my portion of Circuit Breaker. So, any of you guys out there that like it, episode three, she's on her way.
0: All right. I dig that. Yeah. Uh, I think that's about it. As a, I don't know, PSA, something like that, I'm out of the office. I'll be back for the next episode of the podcast, but I'm going home to Vermont over this weekend to go fishing gonna fish me a little tournament with dad uh, so should be fun you're
1: I gonna have so. more exciting fishing talk for us
0: I hope so I mean we're fishing the lake where the state record lives so who oh knows? boy fingers crossed uh,
1: good luck to you
0: thanks sir but yeah other than that it should be uh, should be a good time we got we got a little bit more time and then uh clear lake man California to finish off the Ravac schedule. That's coming up fast.
1: She's creeping up on us, yeah. Alright, bud. Cool man. Well have fun outward you grip wherever you're gonna be, Vermont. And yep. uh I'll just be hanging around doing nothing.
0: Okay. Take it easy. <laughs> See ya. I think James Biggs is going to crush us in this fantasy football league. I think he's got this dialed in.
1: It sounds like he's like a uh, like a fantasy football shark.
0: I think so. Shall we? uh, Shall we get into the podcast?